Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. With that said, we're going to give you Matthew, Matthew chapter 28 this morning. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to talk about the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Go ahead and flip your Bibles there to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. And if you got it, go ahead and stand to your feet. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. I know it's fall, but I need y'all to wake up in here. Come on. I'm going to have some call and response today. Okay, I heard you, Mama Roper. You got it? Say got it. All right, Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20 says this. Here now to read God's word. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The very word of God. Amen. Amen. Today I want to preach on this topic, trust the right words. Trust the right words. Better yet, I want you to ask your neighbor, Turn to your right or your left and say, are you trusting the right words? I told you I'm going to have y'all talk one way or another. Other way, are you trusting the right words? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You are truly an awesome God. God, we give you praise and we give you thanks on today. God, we just ask that you would fill this space with your spirit, that you would decrease me so that you may increase in this place. Hide me behind the cross, Lord Jesus. Have your way. We need to hear from you, not me, but you. Be uplifted in this place. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Family, I want to I preface our time with the question. What words or whose words are you clinging on to? What words or who, whose words are you clinging on to? Be- better yet, what's getting you through today? What's getting you through your life? How are you making it through on a day-to-day basis? What are you trusting? Whose words or what words? In a world where we have been plagued by the pandemic, racial tensions, political mayhem, When you open your phone and social media or news outlets, you can be told what to do or what you should believe from all these different spaces. Better yet, instead of informing you, they're saying this is what you should believe. All of this is coming your way. And I simply need to ask you, what are you clinging on to? Whose words or what words are you believing? In our passage, Jesus here, he calls 
his disciples and believers to make disciples. In other words, he says, go out and make other followers of Jesus, faithful followers of Jesus. But while doing so, he says some key words in this passage that I believe we, we skip over. Jesus says he has all authority, not some authority, all authority. So although he calls us to make disciples, here's the point, Transform lives and discipleship only happens by Jesus' power alone. Family, this is key. And you may be saying, Pastor D, this is simple. We've heard this verse before, and you talk about all authority. We just did a whole series over in Hebrews and the supremacy of Jesus. But hear me, this is key in the space and the time that we're living in today, right now, because it's tough to just think about what we're supposed to do on an individual basis. What am I supposed to do today, Pastor D? I'm just trying to make it through. I'm just trying to survive. But in the passage... Jesus calls us to be on mission. He wants us to make disciples, which means that, hear me, just trying to survive cheapens the call that God has on our lives. He calls us to be on mission. See, God's desire for believers is to do our jobs with excellence. Don't miss this. To do life with others in community. To serve and to give of our time, our talent, and our treasures willingly and sacrificially. You know why? Because when you do this, we bring glory to God, but also by the way we live our lives simply in front of other people, we make disciples. It ain't always about what you say. It's about how you live. Hear me, living truly for Jesus in all aspects of life causes people to start asking questions because they look at Jay and they're like, man, how in the world are you so fulfilled? How are you so satisfied with life? Why do you have so much joy with all of this stuff that's going on around us? I, I, need, I need some of that. And so they start asking questions. And when they look at your life, you know what they find? They find Jesus. They find Jesus. See, there's the problem, because if most of us are honest this morning, and I'm stepping to your kitchen, that's not what people see when they look at our lives. They see us tired. They see us doubting. They see us not trusting God. People see us more worried than ever before. They see Christians more self-consumed more than ever before. So making disciples and displaying the love of Christ, if we're honest, is the furthest thing from our minds right now. If we're honest, that's the space that many of us are in right now. We're thinking about us. And this poses a problem to this call. Friends, I I believe, hear me, walk with me. I believe we got to restore a right understanding to being on mission in our churches. Because many of the issues we have in society, many of the issues we have in our churches is because individuals and churches are not making disciples. We're not pouring our lives out on other people. We come to church and it's all about me, me, me. So hear me. With all that's going on, with all that's happening in our lives individually at this moment, 
Making disciples and living for Jesus in the midst of a pandemic takes utter dependence on Jesus. So this morning I got one point, and I'm out your way. One point, and, and I want to bring us back to this, and I've been saying this a while throughout the last several weeks. I want to bring us back to this, this fundamental uh, grassroots understanding to where if we want to we see this passage come true, we want to make disciples, we have to understand this one thing to begin with. All authority belongs to Jesus. Jesus has all authority. In this passage, uh, Jesus has risen from the grave, and at this point in the text, we don't know how long he's been risen from the grave. We know that he rose for 40 days, but here we don't know how long he's been risen from the grave, but we do know that he's been risen long enough to appear to the disciples in the text because it says that they went to a mountain. They went to the mountain that Jesus told them to go to. He directed them there, and they're at this mountain. So we know that Jesus has been with them, as the text says, and that some of them worship, but then some of them doubted. Now, what we don't know is who are the ones that are doubting and who are the ones worshiping. But this most likely refers to all of the disciples here that they're doubting him right now. They're confused. They're up and down. They're doubting and they're worshiping because here, here is Jesus, the man that they trusted, the man that died for them on the cross, the one that they saw die this horrific death. He died, but now here in this text, he's, he's back. He's alive again. So in everyone's mind, they're probably like, is this really him? Is this really Jesus, the one that we walked with, the man who, who taught, did all these miracles and lived this life among us? Is this really him? And we can't blame them for doubting. Can't shake our heads at them. I mean, think about this for a moment. Let me see if I can make this picture clear. Nobody has ever risen from the grave. At least I don't know anybody who's risen from the grave other than Jesus. Y'all ever met anybody? Tupac, Tupac dead, y'all. I, do you, I don't know anybody who's risen from the grave. I, I've heard about it other than, other than Jesus. I don't know anybody who's actually done that. And so these folks, they're sitting there and they're like, yo, I just saw Jesus get beat to a pulp. I saw him get whipped with cat nine tails, flipped, flesh ripped off of his body. I, I saw him with a crown of thorns over his head and hiking up a hill with, with nails in his hands and nails in his feet, speared in the side. I, I saw Jesus die. He showed enough dead. I, some of them are saying, I even carried his body to the grave. I, I helped bury Jesus. I, I know Jesus is dead. But so resurrection, are you serious? I mean, they're doubting him. They're, they're worshiping him at the same time. I mean, I can't even imagine being here in this situation. Because although they see him, they want to be happy, there's this thought of like, is this really Jesus? Could you imagine? That was a question. I mean, being with Jesus right now and, 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 and one of the disciples, I saw all of this happen but now Jesus is back and he's walking and he's talking amongst me. I mean, it's kind of like one of your loved ones that you know died. They, they were shown up dead. You threw the flowers in their grave. They, they died. And now they've come back to life. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I, don't want, I love my relatives and the ones that have died and everything. But if one of them came back to life and, and walked up behind me and was like, because Jesus in the passage, you read, he kind of shows up sometimes and just... What's up, DP? Yo, I would freak out. 
like scary movie flip out and I would run. There wouldn't be no like, hey, how you doing, grandma? Good to see you. I'm the other way, y'all. I don't need some walking dead and things. I'm good. I don't do scary movies. I'm running away and I ain't tripping like they do in the movies, y'all. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Like, could you imagine this? No. But then on the other hand, could you imagine the emotional roller coaster they're going through? Hey, I'm happy because Jesus is back. But on the other side, I'm, I'm, I, I'm confused right now. I'm sad that he just died. I don't, I, I don't know what to believe. My mind is blown right now. Is this really Jesus? And, and I believe that Jesus here, real, he, he, he knows exactly what they're feeling, which is why the text in verse 18 says that Jesus came and said to them. He came to them. Now, this word came in the original meaning, it means that he drew near. Don't miss this. He drew near, meaning Jesus pulls them close to him, almost as like a, a mother or a father uh, pulling their frightened child close to their chest and saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. See, many times we look at this passage and we talk very, very quickly about, oh, this is a great command. This is the great commission. But hear me, it's just as much a great encouragement as it is a great command. And I don't know about you, as a pastor, even as a Christian, I could use some encouragement today. Anybody? I, I could use some encouragement. See, see, this passage is, is just as much a great encouragement as it is a, a great command. Look at it. Jesus, he does not come down on them or yell at them for doubting in the passage. The first words he says to the disciples, he says, I have all authority in heaven and earth. That's all been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Let me step into your neighborhood a bit more. This means Jesus ain't worried about no pandemic. He's not worried about the trials and the tribulations of this world. He's not twiddling his thumb saying, how am I going to help you pay your bills next month? He's not, he's not sitting up in heaven saying, I don't know what to do right now with all this political mayhem and the corruption and the murder rate and all this. He, he's not worried about that. He says, I got all authority. Now, authority in the original language, hear me, it means this, the ability to perform an action to the extent that there are no hindrances in the way. The ability to perform an action to the extent that there are no hindrances in the way. So, so Jesus is saying, look, my sons, look, my daughters, I'm the sovereign Lord of all creation. I am God who holds it all together, and I see your fears, I, I see your pain, I see your trials, I see the financial struggles, I see the wayward child, I see all of this, and it's okay. No, I have all authority. And when you truly believe in me and know that I'm on your side, hear me, you don't have to worry, you don't have to despair, and this life is possible. It's possible to make it through believing in me. I have all authority. It's like that old song. Some of y'all know this. You've been in Sunday school and you did weekly Bible studies as a kid, and y'all know it. Jesus, he's got the whole world in his hands. Sing it with me. This is, come on, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got mama and daddy. In his, y'all acting like y'all know the song. Come on. 
Thank you. Yes, he does. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's drawing near. And he's saying, I got all of creation in my hands. I got the whole world. I got all of your doubts. I got all of your fears, all of your worries, all of your pains, your everything. I got it in my hands. These disciples and followers of Jesus, they're they're probably facing death at any time. If they mention his name, they get encouraged by him. He pulls them in close and he says, I'm here. Y'all need to hear this. He's saying, although it may not look like it and the world's going crazy, your world seems, seems like it's turned upside down. I still have all authority. I've got this and I've got you. But see, here's the issue. This is why we're not amen in this morning. Hearing that Jesus has all authority, it should be satisfying. It should give us hope. But we want more than that. We want more than knowing that you have all authority. Hear me, the disciples, they could be killed at any moment right now. They're afraid. We need more, Jesus. Hear me. We live in Chicago, Illinois. Some people call it Chirac. They made a movie called Chirac. It's one of the most dangerous cities in the world. One of the highest murder rates. In fact, we're inching towards the highest murder rate and homicide rate that we've had since 1996. We have one of the worst division rates in the whole country, probably world, across socioeconomic and racial lines. Corrupt politics. That's why we call the Windy City. Those are just the name of few. We can go on down the line of all the things that are bad here in the city. So hear me. So although our city has great things to offer, many of you moved here because you came to the great city of Chicago. When you get into it and you, you realize the, the reality of Chicago, it, it, it's much, di- much darker and much more depraved than we would ever want it to be. And we sit here and we read this passage and the question starts to to pop up. How in the world are we as believers, followers of Jesus, supposed to make disciples when we look out the window and all we see is no hope? And hear me, that's not just in Chicago. You open up your phone nowadays, you can flip through social media, you can see this, see all that's going on in the world, you can go through a news app, and in the first five minutes, probably the first 20 seconds, you're going re- to see something that points towards no hope. How do I keep going in that, God? How, how do I make disciples? So hear me, the truth of looking at this world and looking at the state of our city it's easy for us to kind of, kind of parenthetically just, just, just come, come to Jesus and, 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 and put, our, put our coats up and say, look, 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 I'm good. I'll, 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 I'm in the house of God right now. It's, I, I'm straight. I, I don't want to do anything else. I, I, I can't share my life with anybody right now because I'm going through it in my own way. I, I, my life is hectic right now. I, I'm fearful. I, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm doubting. I'm afraid. But then you, 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 and then you tackle a pandemic on top of that. 
Where now you, you don't even have to intentionally say, I'm not going to church. I'm not, I'm not going to be in that community group. I, 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 I don't, I'm not going to just stay in my house because I don't want to be around people. Look, they've been, you've been sheltered in place. So when you tack on all of this that's going on, making disciples, pouring my life out, displaying the love of Jesus becomes a real struggle. This is why Jesus is saying to us in the passage, I have all authority. I have all authority. See, when times get tough, and although it may not seem like God is working, we have to make a practice of saying two words, all authority. When you pick up the newspaper and you start reading and you see another murder rate, you see some more corruption in in the political atmosphere, all authority. When you start walking through your life and you, you seem downcast and depressed and you're like, I don't know how I can make it through this life, two words, all authority. Remember those words he says in the passage that all authority has been given to me. Hear me. We can rest in Jesus. As most of you know, I have four daughters. I love my babies. I'm a, I'm a real girl dad, for real. And I got my little man too, but they came first, so I love these baby girls. And they're here with me today, so I get to talk about them. I got four girls, and they adore me. They love me. I adore them. They think that daddy can literally beat up anything and anybody. Like, daddy's the strongest dude ever. Um, to the point that when I was back playing football, uh, a little younger than now, a lot younger than now, playing football and lifting weights, um, I had got these stretch marks across my chest because I'd gotten too big too quick. And I, Izzy saw me with a, uh, my Izzy, she's seven years old. She saw me with a, a tank top on, and she's like, Daddy, what happened to your chest? And I told her that uh, I got in a fight with a tiger, <laughs> and I killed the tiger. And so, no joke, seven years old, she still believes that daddy beat up this tiger. Now, hear me. I told her that I didn't beat up the tiger, but she wants to believe, still believes, my daddy's so strong. He beat this tiger up. And, and see, I love them, and they, they think that I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I think the same about them. And, and I hope they always believe that. Right, Ramiah? Yeah, baby. I remember one day, um, we, were, we had just moved to Chicago. We hadn't been here long. We were living in a duplex down. Y'all know what that is in Chicago. And I was living, we were on the top level. My wife and I had our master bedroom. And in the bottom level, we had three girls at the time. Ramiah was five. Eliana's three. Isabel was one. And, and it was nighttime, and we had just went to sleep, and 2 o'clock in the morning hit. And I'm kind of like a light sleeper. I don't know if you call it protection mode as a daddy of, of girls and all women in the house, but I sleep very lightly. And in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., I hear this loud shrieking noise coming through our hallways and the yelling of one of my children. And it's Eliana. She's three years old. It's, it's pitch black in the house. She runs from downstairs where her bedroom was all the way down the hallway, up the stairs, crying and screaming. And I hear these steps coming down the hallway. Pop, 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 pop. And she runs into our bedroom, busts through the door. And I'm up. I'm up like Adam. I'm, I'm, I'm watching her. And, 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 and she jumps into the bed. And as soon as she jumps into the bed, 
I grab her and I say, Ellie, it's daddy. I'm here. And I keep saying it over and over again. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Until she calms down. She burrows her head in my chest and she falls fast asleep. And hear me, family. But Jesus saying all authority, I don't know who you are, but somebody walked in here today and you're running right now. You're hiding. You've been crying out. You've been doubting. And he's saying to you, just like he's saying to the disciples, just like I held Ellie, I got all authority and I got you. I see your pain. I see your trials. I see what you're going through on a day-to-day basis. I got you. He's saying, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Trust me. Trust me. By Jesus saying, all authority has been given to him. He's assuring these disciples here of his presence and authority. And I don't know about you all, but as a believer, I need to hear this on a day-to-day basis. I need to know that my God is an awesome God. So when I'm doubting, I, I, I know that he's there. When I feel unloved, I know that he loves me and that he has authority over everything. And it may not look like it in my life, but I can trust and believe. And I can always run to him knowing that he has all authority. What he's saying in the passage is that I'm here. Just trust me. I got this thing and I got you. He's assuring them of his presence and his authority here in the passage. And here's the point. He does all of this before he gives them any command. That's what we miss. We skip right over this and go to the Great Commission. He does all of this before he gives them any command of making disciples, which makes it much more easier now to to, to stomach this whole call. And it gives them the confidence that they need. See, Jesus... He's grabbing the disciples' attention. He's grabbing their trust. And then he says, now that you know that I have all authority, now that you know that I'm with you, go. Go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have taught you. This is a literal command. This is not optional for believers. He he doesn't say, you can maybe do this. He says, go. There's an imperative verb here, and it's not baptize, it's not teach, it's make. Hear me, disciples are made. They don't grow on trees. You don't go outside and just be like, oh, cool, there's another person, they're a disciple, cool. Or somebody comes to church, that doesn't mean that you're a disciple. There are many people in churches that are still babies. that are not really growing in their faith. He says, make disciples which means literally pour your life out on another individual. And it takes time. It took Jesus three years. How much time do you think it would take for us to make disciples? But hear me, it does not happen unless we go. 
So Jesus is really saying to them, as well as us right now, while you're going about your daily lives, while you're going about your routines, while you're doing what you do on a day-to-day basis, make disciples, pour your life out, give your life away, love people, eat dinner with them, get messy in community. It ain't a nice or pretty thing. We all sinful. Get messy there. Be intentional in getting to know others. Do your jobs well. But herein lies the problem, especially in a pandemic and an individual society like America. We aren't always intentional with how we live our lives. You've heard me say this time and time again if you've been at Renewal. What tends to happen in the Christian walk or Christian faith, we come to know Jesus and we come in with our hypothetical coats and we just put it on the, the coat rack in the church. And we take our seat. And cruise ship Christianity just takes over. What you got for me today, Pastor? All the worship wasn't exactly what I wanted it, you know. Uh, somebody took my seat. That's the thing. Christianity in our church, it just becomes about us. We stop when we come to believe in Jesus Christ, like everything else is cool, I'm good there. No, 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 hear me. Jesus does call you to himself so he can save you and you can have eternity with him in heaven forever and ever. But he also calls you to himself so now that you can go and make his name great. You can glorify him amongst the nations. We glorify God by living our lives out amongst other people. That's why we're still here as Christians. The Christian walk is not about me. It's about we. Me and you that believe in Jesus Christ, we're saved. We're going to go to heaven. The reason we're here is to share our lives with other people and give them hope. To let them know about a risen Savior, Jesus. Hear me, hear me, hear me. There's a world full of people outside of these doors that have never heard about Jesus. They literally are living with no hope and going to go to hell if we don't tell them about it. Now, I know I just said something that's taboo in this culture. People don't like talking about hell. Eternal separation from God. We, we don't like mentioning hell. We don't like to know, talk about evil and that God will let that happen. Jesus, he already created a way. But here's the reality. As believers, if we don't go share our lives with other people, they will never know about this hope. They will never know about a risen Savior. They will never know about true joy, love, peace, satisfaction, and fulfillment in him. They will never know about that. So hell isn't supposed to be a scary place. What we're here to do is to share about eternity with him in heaven, to share about what he did in our lives. And it doesn't happen if we don't go. But I love the passage and how he prefaces it with, I have all authority because Jesus doesn't tell you to go without telling you that you ain't going to be by yourself. Which lets us know that even at the end of the day, when he calls us to make disciples, it still ain't up to you. Which, let me rewind the tape. I need to help somebody. That also means that salvation is not up to you. There's some of us as believers right now, we got a Jesus syndrome. We got to save everybody, everybody in our family and all of our friends. We got to share this and that with them. Hear me, Jesus is the one who saves, not us. 
And so, so this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this with me. This is exercise. That should help you breathe right now. He saves, not you. So I want y'all to do this. Uh, come on, I should have brought Damon up here to teach y'all. I want y'all to breathe all the way through your diaphragm. Take, take, a, take a deep breath. That wasn't that question. I'm telling y'all to do this, okay? And let it go. You should feel better, right? Pressure gone. Salvation's not up to us. It's up to God. Jesus doesn't call us to save people. He calls us to be walking beacons of light. He calls us to be representative of the faith. He calls us to be people that live lives that, are, that, that speak of the redemption we have in Jesus Christ. He calls us to be ambassadors of the faith. Salvation's up to him. Here's the reality. We're going to fail miserably daily. That's why his grace is so important, because he still loves you no matter if you fail or succeed. So this should allow you all to walk faithfully. It should, be, should allow you to walk and live life to the full, because he's satisfied with you regardless of your failures. Be encouraged, because like the song Ocean says, Hillsong sings this song, it says, where my feet may fail. And the fear surrounds me. You've never failed, and you won't start now. So again, whenever you start to feel discouraged, you've got to make a practice of saying two words. All authority. Friends, we tend to struggle in our walks with Christ because we get caught up with the wiles of the world and everything that's happening in and around us And we forget the fact that Jesus has all authority. See, we get to trying to make disciples. We get to trying to fix everything around us, fight for justice and all these things. And those are things that we should do, but we forget to depend on him. We create amazing outreach programs, and we got all these great ideas and things that we want to do. And I believe God has put some of those things into your heart, and we want to pour our lives out on the people and... And then we end up discouraged. We do all these things and we end up at the end of the day, we're feeling discouraged. You know why? Because at the end of the day, we've taken the amazing vehicle of discipleship that Jesus created and we've placed it on the treadmill of human dependency instead of letting the vehicle run off the sovereign engine of God's authority, Jesus' authority. Instead, now it's running off our, our, our dependency on ourselves. So hear me, like in salvation, discipleship, the the transforming and the rebuilding of lives, it it does not happen without the power of God and our soul dependence on him. I mean, look at this text. Y'all don't believe me. Look at this text. He he gives us specific instructions. He says, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said this to disciples... When he's, in the original language, when they heard him say, go make disciples and baptize them in the name of, when he says name of, this word name is singular. And so when he says name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's saying that they're all one. Some of y'all are missing this thing. This is significant. 
What Jesus, again, is doing here is assuring the disciples of his sovereignty by saying he is God. Y'all missing this thing. Jesus, once again, is assuring them of his presence and his authority. See, he gives out this tall order of making disciples. Go pour your life out and, and people come to know me because of your life and all of this and that. And then he comes right back to assuring them with his presence. Isn't he good? He says, teach them what I've taught you. Don't teach them what you think you know or or what you want to say. No, teach them what I've taught you because I'm the only one that can save. I'm the only one that can truly make this thing work. Family discipleship is a huge task. Living your life faithful in a world when you're still sinful yourself, that's tough. When you have trials and tribulations in your life and God is telling you to go out and live faithfully to him in front of a world that's watching and waiting and needs to know Jesus... That's tough, but he's trying to tell you, you ain't supposed to do all this in your own strength. Jesus is with us. In fact, in Acts 1-8, where he says it again, he says, go out and be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. He, he says that, and this word witness, hear me, hear me, witnesses don't act. Y'all just missed that. They don't act. All they're supposed to do is recall what happened or what happened to them, which does not necessarily bring about life change because it's not up to the witness to provide the ultimate verdict. I mean, think about it. When you, when you put a witness on the stand, all they're supposed to do is recall the events that they saw or what actually happened to them. It's not up to them to send this person to jail or release them. No, no, no. That's up to the judge and the jury. They have the power to release or send them to jail. They have the power to give life or to take it away. The witness does not. Renewal, when we go out, when we leave these doors, it's our part of our vision to rebuild lives and release people. When we go out these doors... Nothing is done by our own power. He's calling us just to be faithful witnesses and recall what he's already done in our lives, how he saved us and shared that with a waiting and watching world. He's not, he, he, not only, not us, we're not the judge. We're not the one who, who brings people to the faith or not. That's up to Jesus. We're called to make disciples, to pour our lives out on other people, but don't do it by ourselves. And I don't know about you, but that, that should give you some sense of encouragement today. It should give you hope because regardless of your failures, you get to live life to the full, trusting and knowing that even when I mess up, he has all authority. James Montgomery says it best in his 18th century hymn. He says, though few and small and weak your bands. He's talking about an army here. He says, strong is the captain's strength. Go to the conquest of all lands. All must be his at length. Friends, we got to depend on the strength of our captain. Jesus and his authority in order to make disciples. It's hard. It takes time. We may see some people leave the church. We may see some people leave 
your community group. You may see some people leave your house not wanting to be there. You may see some people not want to have a conversation with you. You may see some people in your family, in your friend group that aren't coming to know Jesus and you want them to know him. It takes time. It's not easy. But when we get to those places where the feelings are overwhelming you and the world is overwhelming you, we got to remember two words, all authority. And sometimes, hear me, but not all times, we will get to see the fruit of a life totally transformed by the goodness of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, go make disciples, but do it in my name and by my authority. The last thing that Jesus says to the disciples as we come to a close and the band comes forward, he says this. Again, he gives them assurance of affirmation and his presence in uh, verse 20. Look at it with me. He says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I I love this verse. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus ends this great command in the book of Matthew to his disciples with one crucial statement, saying, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The hearers would have heard this statement, and they would have heard him say the words uh, when he says this. uh, He's talking about or he's describing the Hebrew name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So hear me, Jesus, in just four short verses here, He said God, that he's God, three different ways. He said in verse 17, I'm God who has all authority in heaven and on earth. In verse 19, he says, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who saves. Baptize him in my name. Verse 20, he says, I'm Emmanuel, God with us to the end of the age. All of this said, Renewal, is that discipleship is God's idea. Lives being changed, it's God's idea. He is the one who will truly carry it out, and it's only by God's grace that he chooses to save us, one, but then chooses to use us for his glory. Discipleship is tiring. It's tough. It's hard. So I want you to remember this. In those times... Well, your walks get heavy with Jesus, and you're out here trying to change the world for his glory. You're fighting against injustice. You're standing on the fringes for the least likely. You're giving your life away to other people for his glory. Remember in this passage that he says, I have all authority. I am the one who saves, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. The task of seeing Chicago changed, as we talk about in our vision and in our mission, here's the encouraging part. It's not all on our shoulders. The task of seeing your families look different or your neighborhoods look different or your communities is not all on your shoulders. The task of seeing your jobs change and the people there walking with joy in their hearts and full of satisfaction, that's not all up to you, but it's up to God. So let's go together, remembering that he has all authority, and let's see a city changed. I want to end like this. There's two different types of people in this room. 
you walked into this place and maybe you're a place to, you're in a place where you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so discipleship is a foreign term for you. You're like, I don't know what this is. I've never heard of this. I've been to churches. They never really talked about it, which is sad. But Jesus has brought you here for a reason. And maybe this is the Sunday that you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, trusting that he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again for the grave, from the grave for you. And the next step for you is to get involved. Jump in a group. Find someone who is more mature in the faith, been walking with Jesus. They don't have to be necessarily older, but been walking with Jesus longer. They can pour their life out on you and tell you about this, this God who loves you. I said it earlier, but family, there's some of us Maybe in this room, you've been in church your whole life, and you've never been in a discipleship relationship. You've never been in a group where somebody has poured their life out on you. You've never been in a relationship with somebody or somebody. This has been the extent of your discipleship, and I believe God is calling you to more. To be prayerful about who you're going to approach and say, I want to learn more about Jesus, and I love what he's done with your life. Can you pour into me? But on the other side, there's some of us in here that all we've been doing our whole life is just coming to church. Give me more, Pastor. I need more worship. I need more of this. I need a new Bible study. And God's calling you now to invest. He's calling you to pour your life out on someone else to make disciples. This whole understanding of giving, whether it's our tithes or giving our lives away, here's what happens when you give. You stop thinking about you. Because now what you're investing in, you're thinking about that. You're thinking about the people you're pouring your life out on. God calls us to make disciples. He calls us to pour our lives out. And the reality is that we're, most of us are in one of those two places, especially in a pandemic. And I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for myself even too. I want to pray for our church. The discipleship would be something that we don't just preach about, but something we live. That our groups would be overflowing because everybody wants to be in community and wants to be poured into. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You're truly an awesome God. We thank you for loving us, Lord Jesus. We thank you for calling us to a relationship with you. But we also thank you for calling us to be in relationship with others. God, I pray that even as we are in this pandemic and we come to a space where we have been disengaged, that we would re-engage, that groups would flood with people and new people and communities would change because we're living our lives out for your glory and your glory alone. God, that you would be lifted up in all we say and do, and that you would do something amazing in our midst. I pray for the person, God, that's struggling, saying, I, I need to walk in community. I need to be with someone this morning. I need to be in a place where people can pour into me. Lord, I'm glad that you brought them to this space today. I pray that they would find that here at Renewal. I pray that they'd be intentional about going and seeing 
and approaching somebody and saying, hey, would you pour into me? There's pastors and teachers and people here that want to do that, community group leaders. God, I also pray for the other person that needs to take a step and start pouring their life out. Let them be honest with you right now, Lord Jesus. And I pray that that would be something that would be a mark of their life. When they get to heaven, you'll say, good and faithful servant, well done. And they'll see all these lives that were impacted because of the step they made to make disciples. God, would you be lifted up? Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.